0: Hello, and welcome to the Good Life Reviewed podcast, where we share the sounds of the stories of up-and-coming writers. I am your host, Trelaina Daniel. Today, we are excited to be showcasing the work of an anthropologist that doubles as
1: a nonfiction writer. I'm Catherine Stam, and I wrote Cohesion Courses in an Avalanche.
0: One of the first things I noticed in my first read through of this piece was the notation about the Journal of Glaciology. With the title of the piece being about avalanches, I started the interview off asking how she happened across this journal.
1: I happened upon it because I went to a retreat at the Omega Institute and our homework was to bring in a science article and to bring in some poetry or prose from someone else and then to bring a little bit of our work to with it. And so um, I just kind of looked around for something that seemed different and interesting. And, and then once I got there, I, I realized that we had to use it. <laughs> and we had to put it together with something else that we had done. And so that was kind of a um, a surprise for me. I don't know that I would have chosen that in the first place. But there was something about it that I found compelling. And um, so I ended up using it in the piece. She got my curiosity piqued. So I wondered, what was this piece really about? So I asked her, I feel like this this piece is about my life in a way. And um, at the time that I wrote this, I was starting to think that I had all these stories built up that I didn't know how to tell. And I'm an anthropologist by training. And so I've been writing, you know, for my entire career, writing scholarly pieces and um It just didn't feel like that was capturing the ideas that I was trying to get across. And so in a sense, this comes from my volunteer work with refugees. I had been um, spending a lot of time getting to know resettled refugees and their challenges. And so it's in part a story about them, but it's also kind of a story about how I felt like I understood them because I had been through a few things myself. And so I was trying to weave those things together um, and the avalanches just sort of fit together with that in, in this weird way. So so I guess the concept was, you know, let's take things that don't look like they fit together at all. And that's where we're going to find the spark of energy and the creativity. And surprise, surprise, it it actually worked. <laughs>
0: It worked beautifully. So, Was this like a writing workshop
1: or some sort of, um, where did you get this idea? So I, it was a writing workshop at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, and it was run by Nick Flynn. And he does his memoirs that way. So um, he was basically showing us through the week that I was there, how he how he works. And it's this sort of strange collaborative experience where we all bring in materials from our lives and images and science articles. And then we sort of pick what resonates with us. Um, And he also assigns us a verb and and a black and white postcard image. And so those, I think he's trying to pull us out of our our memoirs and our own stories and say you know what these are actually stories that are much bigger than ourselves and that all those things that we think are not connected are totally connected and by the friday of that week and i've gone three times now by the end of the week we we sort of leave saying oh everything's connected to everything else and it takes a while to come back down from that because the atmosphere is sort of dreamlike and it's really safe and fun and creative, but weird. Um, so that's been really valuable. So this was my first non, my first creative nonfiction piece, ever. Um, and since then, I've been writing a memoir and then a lot of other shorter pieces using the same method.
0: Yeah. So this was the first time you had tried that method, and it really worked for you.
1: <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Are you using it in other ways? So now I'm writing a memoir um, about my life in Thailand and my marriage to a Thai man. And um, so it's another kind of collage piece that includes some um, sort of straight narrative stories about my life, but also there are a lot of folk tales and music lyrics in there. And then the third piece is ancient Tibetan rituals um, from the Bon tradition. And so I've sort of taken my anthropology Hat and done everything that anthropologists are not supposed to do. So I've taken all the things and taken them out of context and used the poetry of them. I sort of begged and borrowed and stole all the beauty that I could find with citations, of course, um, and used that in my stories. So it's a little bit um, off the mainstream in some ways. It's a a little jarring because those ideas are so different sometimes, but um, I'm having a lot of fun with it, and I've learned a lot along the way. Catherine has some interesting
0: stories to tell as an anthropologist, but one of the most interesting things I heard during her interview
1: was her work with refugees. The most recent work that I've done is Himalayan studies. Um, I've spent a lot of time with Bhutanese, Nepali refugees here in the United States and learning about their statelessness, their experiences of migration. Um, So most of my research is somehow related to trying to understand that um, refugee experience.
0: Since I've done a few interviews with refugees, I was interested in learning more about why do refugees... Come to America.
1: well, in the case of the Bhutanese Nepalis, the Bhutanese government um, forced them to leave, and so there was a long campaign of kind of forcing them not to use their native language. they had to use the national language they had to wear national dress and it was sort of a, a cultural um, uh, project to make them more nationally like the other Bhutanese and when that didn't work and when their population grew, um, the the Bhutanese government sent them into exile and nobody would take them. So they, they went to India for a little while. India said no. Nepal ended up taking them um, and but they said you have to stay in refugee camps, and those people stayed there for 18 years before they found a solution. and And that was one of the things that I learned is how long refugees stay in these, um, either in camps or in, you know, uh, cities and in places where they don't have citizenship. So by the time they came here, um, they the international community had had. Um, understood that there wasn't going to be a solution and that Nepal would never let them be citizens, but they all came in large numbers. And so, um, so cities like ours all of a sudden had 400 people who had been living in Nepal for almost 20 years. And, wow. and having been to Nepal a few times myself, I was so excited. And so I went running out to, you know, welcome them and meet them and, um, really enjoyed their, um, their presence in our community. After a couple of years, they decided that they didn't have as much here as they wanted, and so they moved to Ohio.
0: Next up, we asked Catherine our trademark question. How do you know you're living the good life?
1: Um, well, I had a couple of thoughts. One is that the good life to me is having the time and taking the time to enjoy the small pleasures in life. So, you know, I think it's as the older I get to, the more I appreciate sitting outside and watching a cloud or tasting a strawberry jam that somebody has made or, um, taking a walk on a warm day in, in a way that, you know, I used to be looking for the good life and the big things. And I used he'd love to buy plane tickets and travel and meet new people and hear stories. And now, um, I mean, I, I don't know what our world is going to be like and whether we can do those things, but I can do those things right in my town. And so, you know, when, if I'm at somebody's house before COVID (laughs) um, and they're making dinner for me and we're talking about stories, I just can't really get much happier than that. That, that feels to me really like home, like joy, um, like a really good way to spend a couple of hours. Before
0: Catherine reads us some of her work, just wanted to take a moment to talk a little more about her background. Catherine is an anthropology professor and creative nonfiction writer who is obsessed with all things Himalayan. She teaches about cultural diversity and has spent the past several years learning how to slay a few of her enemies. You can find her at catherineruthstam.wordpress.com.
1: Cohesion forces in an avalanche. There are people whose job it is to model cohesion forces in avalanches, to build a snowshoot in Switzerland, to freeze ice and simulate wet and dry snow, to calibrate the instruments, to measure the centripetal pressures of the avalanche's head and tail, to graph molecular bonding, to examine precisely how much stress can build before the skier is crushed in a tumbling ball of ice and stone, and any amount of dynamite prevention still makes her a dead skier. Did she do her job to bring a shovel, a probe, and a beacon? The newest model that would allow her to detect the heartbeats of buried victims and flag their locations under the unstable mass of ice and snow, branches and boulders. The people whose job it is to sell beacons Caution that the plane of the antennas broadcast is crucial because it is easiest to find the victim if she is at the correct angle, lying down horizontally. There are people whose job it is to force other people to carry rice for soldiers or light the match that sets fire to a Karen village in Burma to load the B-72 rifles and chase Sir and Prickety into the hills in their pink plastic flip-flops where they hide all night hushed in tall brush, then sneak toward the Thai border where they will be told they cannot cross because they do not have papers. There are people whose job it is to wait at camp and console new arrivals. Paws or so hears their coming and stokes the fire with a smoldering ear of corn to cook them some sticky rice and bamboo soup. She unrolls a rattan mat and hangs a mosquito net for them. They will sleep next to La Win, who arrived 22 days ago, but still hasn't found his daughter Haine yet. There are people whose job it is to wash the wounds with stream water and poultices of morning glory and wrap them with soiled strips of plaid blue and gray lungi cloth. There are people whose job it is to count the dead Karen, as if those numbers mattered somewhere to someone. Whose job is it to tell refugee stories? At our community center in Utica, New York, my job is to wash the dishes with the rag I make out of a flannel shirt from the donations pile and to laminate the sign that says, please don't move the ping pong table and no spitting into the garbage, please. As a writer, our job is something else though. Poet Nick Flynn tells us that this is the ultimate purpose of why we are here, to create a scrim that others can project onto so they can actively participate in trying to make meaning out of this, out of everything. I take his words and rush to create a scrim, a rattan scrim, something I might be able to produce from a pile of crap in the back of my silver Toyota Yaris with the beetle nut candy wrappers, a pink booster seat, Hamish's bathing suit, and a radish that rolled out of the recycle bag into the spare tire well, where it waits for a sweltering day to fully realize its fusty essence. My job is to question every assumption and make wild claims and trust you with this meandering tale. The one word I'm forbidden to use is the only word my mind can muster, but seven minute bursts into my subconscious and other words emerge in purple pulses and threadbare scraps of sound. When I was 29 years old and visiting a Nepali ashram, Swamiji told me upon first sight that I knew nothing of yoga. We would not do yoga poses because that's just the superficial thing. Our job was to sit here under the Bodhi fig tree on Chinese plastic chairs, to eat salted popcorn and drink chai and gaze upon the snow-capped foothills of the sacred mountain, Gauri Shankar. We breathed in the prayers of Shiva and Shakti that would waft on cantering wild horses, lungta, with wish-fulfilling flaming jewels on their backs. But don't eat the fatty things, Stamji. You are too fatty already breath is all you need. The rest is the shallow thing. We will sit here and I will teach you the chakras and the structure and secrets of the universe and God. You will not suffer. You will release your baby, your Thailand baby whose solid body expired after only three cleansing breaths. God goes to God. Seed goes to seed. Look around. This ashram is overflowing with filth and rats, but everyone here is happy. Swamiji's job was to ease suffering. That morning, he would teach me about the four forces of life currents, the forces of life being, and the 19 elements of the cosmic body. Swamiji's orange robe disciples job was to flush his master's deposits down the squat toilet before anyone else could smell or see it. A few years later, my job was to become a mother again A real mother who got to go home from the hospital with a real baby. A boy with adult-sized ears, big brown eyes, and flat farmer's feet like his father's. And whose job it was to cry loud at the top of his tiny little lungs. A beacon to tell the whole floor that he was there, even before the staff rang their baby bell. A most spectacular boy who grows and 23 years later is still spectacular.
0: If you want to read more about Katherine Stamm's work, you can head to thegoodlifereview.com. Thanks for listening to the Good Life Review podcast. We are very excited to keep producing these podcasts and bringing you great stories from our current writers. Huge thank you to our editorial team that is mostly based out of Nebraska and almost entirely made up of writers from the flyover states, which is why we don't want your work to be overlooked. If you have a piece you'd like to submit, head on over to our submittable page TheGoodLifeReview.Submitable.Com. Don't forget to like us on social media. On Facebook, we are The Good Life Review. On Twitter, The Good Life Lit Mag. And as always, if you find us on iTunes, give us a good ranking if you liked it. Thank you for listening.